This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Table Flipping. I'm actress Taylor Mishak. And I'm writer Alyssa Littman. Join us as we sit down with guests to unpack how the fascinating, messy women of reality TV have shaped our lives. And of course, dish about Bravo, The Bachelor, and everything in between. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Happy Friday, Alyssa. Happy Friday. How's it going? I feel like this week was felt like it went slowly. Yeah, this was a long one. I feel like it was a, a long, weird week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because the end of the month or what. But we have quite a treat today. Uh, for any new listeners out there, we do normally start our episodes with just some recaps of what is going on in reality TV that week uh, before getting into our interview. But this week's interview is just so good that we're going to have it be the whole friggin' special episode. There was just too much good tea from this guest, and we really didn't want to deprive you guys of any of that. We didn't want to cut any of it out. So we're just going to give it all to our listeners, and, and hopefully we get some new listeners from this who are interested in hearing about this fabulous book that we got to talk about. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, I hope you guys, I hope you guys enjoy and I hope new listeners come back to listen to our normal version of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy. You guys, I can't even really contain myself for how excited I am about this freaking episode. I'm gonna this is a this is a long intro because you're absolutely the most impressive person maybe I've ever met in my whole life. He <laughs> is the president and founder of the Real Housewives Institute, co-author of my very favorite, Erica Jane's memoir, Pretty Mess, the writer behind the hilarious Housewives and Bravo recaps on Vulture, and also a contributor to little old publications like the New York Times or The Guardian. Don't know if you've heard of them. And last but not least, the author of The Real Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives that came out this very freaking week. We are honored and like high-key starstruck, obviously, to welcome Brian Moylan to the pod. Hi, Brian. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm um, a big fan of all of your works, too. And so I cannot wait to get um, jiggy with some housewifery. <laughs> uh, how does it feel to have a fucking huge, cool ass, highly anticipated book being released this week? Um, I'm like really excited and books. Um, I'm used to writing for the internet where it's like you're done and then it goes online and then people are like canceling you on Twitter like 20 minutes later. <laughs> and like, uh books like take a really long time to like actually put ink on the paper and like ship to stores and stuff you know my goal going in was that the book would answer all the questions that any housewives fan would have and so i hope that we have accomplished that and that everyone has all their questions answered this book is truly like a bravo bible like it is breathtaking how much information i'm like intimidated from reading the book <laughs> like you know we we feel like we keep up with everything and we know the details and and there's so much i mean it's mandatory reading for every single person listening to our podcast like how did you start this journey and like it's so interesting to me that you've said that Bravo was not necessarily like helpful in this process. Oh, they were in fact the opposite of helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I started, um, well, I read a book called Bachelor Nation. I don't know if you guys are Bachelor fans as well, but it, yes. um, uh, I, I was never like a Bachelor Nation person, but as a scholar of the reality television arts and sciences, when this book came out, it's by Amy Kaufman, who, uh, is a reporter for the LA Times. I read the book and was like, why has no one done this for Housewives? Why has no one done this for Housewives? I should write this book for Housewives. And um, at the time I was moving to London and at the same time, um, uh, Amy's book agent, this woman, Nicole Tortolo, who is now my book agent, was like, oh, I should do one of these about Housewives. And so a mutual friend of ours connected us 
And so we decided to go about doing this and, you know, sold the project. And um, I told Bravo that we were doing it because we had always had a good relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And they um, wanted 10% of all the proceeds and complete editorial control, to which we said, um, no thanks. So they emailed all of the housewives and all of the producers and said, don't you dare talk to this person. So um, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, a lot of work to get, <laughs> to get people to talk to me for it. But I think it was in the end really good because this is people talking about Bravo and about working on the shows and about being a housewife when they don't think that Bravo is listening to them. So I think it's like the real dirt that you're going to get from the housewives. Truly. It doesn't feel like Bravo propaganda either. It feels yes. like just such a wonderful, I truly felt like I was taking the college course of my dreams because yeah. I'm learning <laughs> so much. This is like so dense and rich with history and it doesn't feel like doesn't feel particularly biased. I also love very much that when you touch on this subject in your book, you're like, Bravo can ruin a career faster than Ramona can order a Pinot Grigio. And I'm like, this is this is perfection. I love that so much. No, absolutely. Uh, but scary, and, too. Yeah, and I mean, people kept being like, you know, don't use my name. Don't, you know, I edited this episode, but you can't talk about it because then they knew who I was. And, you know, I took that really seriously. And so we even, I even use gender neutral pronouns. And wow. so everyone's a them, they, so they can't even tell if it's a boy or a girl. Like I, I went as far as I possibly could to protect these people's um, identities. But since we're here on the pod, let me read a list of them for you. <laughs> That's amazing. You also, I've talked a lot on the pod about how obsessed I was with Pretty Mess. I had pre-ordered it. I, like, got it the day it was even bound. My boyfriend made fun of me for weeks because I was, like, glued to this book. So, so thrilling that you've been touching my life already for so long. And that means we have to ask, as everybody has already asked you, I'm sure, over the past, like, six months, what is, like, your take? What are your feelings? What's your experience right now with, like, all of the big dumpster fire that's happening in Erica Jane's life right now i mean it is pretty crazy when you know i've never met tom while working on the book i never talked to him but i did see her on the phone with him and see her kind of interacting with him and so and i think that they always had a realer relationship than people give them mm -hmm. credit for i think a lot of people just see it as transactional or she's using him for his money or whatever and so when the divorce was announced i was really surprised because i knew kind of what relationship they had and then when we started to hear more and more of the stuff tom was getting into i was like "Ooh, girl this is not good um but um i talked to erica recently and you know she told me that she really had no idea that it was coming and that she's gonna talk about it on the show and that she's still you know the lawyers are in it the accountants are in it they're really going through everything and she doesn't even know you know the extent of it yet How, because i don't yeah. think yeah, any of us do. So I think we're going to get some answers this year, but I think that we're not going to have the full answer until all this court stuff and whatever is decided. And I don't think that that's going to be anytime soon. But um, I know she's being real open with talking about it, which I think people would not expect because um, she has a reputation for being withholding and stuff. But um, yeah, so I think my girl Erica Jane's going through it a bit. And yeah, I feel bad. I have to say, and this actually leads me to a question that we've tried to answer on this pod, and I would love to hear your take on it. She watched one of our Instagram stories, and we were truly so starstruck, like, this last week. <laughs> and it's one of those interesting things where you kind of have this for every housewife. You know, Erica is getting made fun of for the situation. Right. There's quite a few jokes about about what's happening, especially since she was in Chicago and the situation seems very similar yeah, to Chicago. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when we – we love the housewives so much, but part of the being a fan is kind of ripping them apart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and – I'm just wondering, like, did anyone talk to you about what it's like to be famous for that those types of things? Um, I did talk to the Real Housewives, and I know I talked to Erica about this, like, when we were working on the book and stuff, and just, like, uh, you know, being a woman on social media is hard enough as it is, and then being a woman of some renown on social media, I think it's even harder, and you get these people who are just, like, 
viciously mean to them. And, yeah. you know, it's like one thing to, to have like some kind of nuanced argument with people, but just be like, you should kill yourself or you're oh, ugly or you're yeah. fat or you're stupid or just all these things. And just hearing it day and day out, I think is really hard. And I talked to some of the housewives about what it's like being on social media. I talked to people that work at Bravo who worked on some of the social media with the women and stuff and just about how hard it can be to deal with this stuff and how they always say like don't read the comments don't look at twitter but they all still do and i think mm -hmm. it's like you know and <laughs> so recently you know what i think is interesting about the housewives is there are for every single woman there's people that love them and people that hate them and i think that's true of erica you know even now she has her fans and she has the people that are going to hate her and some of those people were going to hate her before all this and now they just have like more of a reason to mm -hmm. um and so i uh just sort of took this all in and i was recently um my husband google image searched himself for some reason <laughs> and then like told me he had done it and i was like oh now i have to google image search myself and so i did and i saw my book cover was posted on reddit and i like went to reddit and was like oh what are they saying about me and my book and it was all these people being like oh brian's not funny he's the worst his recaps are stupid like blah 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 blah, blah. all these awful comments and then there was one that was like oh brian helped erica cover her crimes and Shut he did oh like God. he lied about pk and dorit getting a divorce on bitch sesh and he was run out of new york city and i can't say why because i signed an nda for work and like blah, blah all this like craziness which i that was hilarious yeah but then i sort of said to myself like i'm in the position that all these women are in like there are going to be people that love me and there are going to be people that hate me and whether or not they love me or hate me says more about them than it does about me so i'm just like not gonna worry that these people hate me and just i mean let them hate me i guess and oh, um preach. but <laughs> but i don't know that the housewives get and, you know it's like this weird thing like when people on twitter are telling us we're great we want to believe them so then when people tell us that we're stupid or we should kill ourselves or whatever, we want to believe them too. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard for the women to deal with that kind of stuff. Well, I don't think anyone should be saying that. But sometimes I'm like, Teddy Mellencamp, like, you shouldn't be on the show. That's all, oh, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I, and I think that that's, I, you know, and a lot of people in talking about the book likened it to sports. And I think it's like the same way. You're like... You know, fans are like, oh, LeBron James sucks and he should be fired. I don't even know like what sport he plays, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like I feel the same. We talk about the housewives the same way. Like she yes. should be fired. She should be hired. She should come back. She should be traded, you know, whatever. And and I think that that is less about them as a person than it is about them, their contributions to the reality television arts and sciences. But um, <laughs> when I talked to Carrie Duber from Real Houses of Dallas about the book and about being fired, she said she took it really personally that, you know, she sees herself as like a normal working woman and that for her to get fired from the show felt like them rejecting like normal working women and like, why wouldn't they want me mm. to be on the show? And I think that, you know, she took it really hard and really personally and and so i think that that is probably true for a lot of the women you know when you're kind of on this thing that made you famous and that you love and that helped define you and then it's kind of taken away from you i i was geeking out and listening to you on another podcast talk about lisa barlow and that you theorized that she had different expectations going into the show about like how people would respond to different parts of her life. And I think it's yes. a really funny and interesting observation, kind of what we're talking about now of how, you know, the public receives things and then posts about them on Reddit or Twitter or whatever, that yeah. there was uh, a little bit of a disconnect between things she was announcing about her life, whether it was like constantly giving her kids fast food or not having time to answer the phone when the babysitter calls because she's doing Sundance or whatever. And that, yeah. that kind of came off like she might think it was cute or like she's just like a cool, different working mom. And it, in fact, came off as like definitely unlikable and people really ripped her apart for it and that's yes. that's just a there's a disconnect between what she expected people to say and then what they did and it'll be interesting to see how it's going to affect her 
moving forward if she does more seasons. No, absolutely. And I was saying that about Jen Shaw and Heather Gay, like going in, like Jen Shaw thought she was going to be the favorite, like she was going to be the queen bee. And now Rihanna's following Heather Gay. And I was joking that season two is going to be <laughs> about how Rihanna is following Heather Gay and how people like Heather Gay more than they like Jen Shaw. But then Jen Shaw <laughs> went and got herself arrested. And so, I mean, I guess season two is going to be about something else now. But um, my point still stands. <laughs> it's also just one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you're a terrible person. You know, Jen Shaw's a perfect example. They're like, you're ripping off elderly people. But then when that's not happening on the season and we're talking about, like, a dog, I'm upset. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. yes, I'm criticizing you, but I'm also thanking you for making the show interesting. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we feel... People always say we watch these shows so we can feel better about ourselves. Like these women are so so awful and we don't want to behave like that. And that is certainly true. But also like when Luann gets arrested, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing for the show. But then on the, I'm also like, oh, I hope she's okay. You know, like mm -hmm. I want to take care yeah. of her. Mm -hmm. Like here's this woman who I've spent a decade with who I call my quote unquote TV friends and like, I want the best for her. And so it, I think it's a really complicated relationship that we have with a lot of these women where it is like, we want to tear you down, but also we love you. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I'm curious in this process and in like the, the years of researching this book and just like your whole career, you're becoming friends with a lot of either these women or women in their circles. Like, how do you balance being friends with somebody and then still like writing about them honestly and still having like kind of funny takes or have you like ran into that as an obstacle yet? Um, I've always tried to keep the women a little bit at arm's length just for that reason that, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, well, now I actually know Ramona. And so I don't want to be mean to her. <laughs> um, so Ramona's uh, a know, perfect example. Right. <laughs> now I'm best friends with Ramona. Yeah. And now I love her. Well, and fans are always like ripping me. Like he wrote Erica's book. He's never going to be critical of her. Like he should recuse himself because he's not impartial. And it's like impartiality in your reality TV recaps. Like <laughs> I mean, this isn't like Watergate people, like who gives a shit? Um, but so aside from Erica, who, you know, I, ha I worked with and I have a relationship with, and I would see Sonia around town a lot, like at events when I lived in New York. And so I, you know, I'm like uh, friendly with her and, um, you know, I know a few people a little bit, but also, what makes for great housewives usually makes for awful dinner companions. And so while I want to <laughs> watch Ramona on my television, like, I don't want to hang out with Ramona. She yeah. seems like not that much fun. So <laughs> Absolutely. Um, absolutely. There's yes. more housewives I would want to be a fly on the wall in their regular life than I would want to, like, sit down and have dinner with them. There's very no. few that I would just really, truly want to sit down and have dinner with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I have met some of them and they're all like they are on television. And I mean, a lot of people, but even people who I'm like, I was on Brandy Glanville's podcast and she said, um, this guy hates me, but he's hilarious. And I was like, <laughs> um, kind of true, but, <laughs> um, but also like, but then when I talked to Brandy about that, I'm like, you know, I don't hate you. Like, I don't think you're a bad mother, or a bad person. Like I just, you know, disagree with how you portrayed yourself on the show, I guess. And so I don't know. I, I feel like there's a separation between how we talk about the women as reality television personages and how we talk about the women as actual people. For sure. I mean, especially in a Brandy Glanville situation, it's uh, you're talking to somebody who is agreeing to play the villain. Mm -hmm. And the, and I feel like a lot of the time the villains know when they're playing the villain and that you're yes. there if you're, you know, criticizing their behavior on the show, it's because they've done something absolutely insane and evil. <laughs> it's also yes. more fun to be the villain. I mean, I'm a fan of s several sports teams that are considered villainous and it, I love to talk trash to people and just it fully embody being the big bad wolf that I know my team is. And so I can only imagine that it's fun for them to play that part in real life. No, absolutely. And I think that um, Dave Quinn, who writes about Housewives for People magazine, always says you need to respect your villains. And I think that's true of the cast. Like when they are all like, oh, we don't want to film with Kenya anymore because she's too toxic. It's like, well, that's a detriment to your show. Like you need the villain to keep the show going, to keep the show interesting. And, and so 
I think that, yeah, you can't just have all Kyles or else the show would be boring. Like you need a Brandy to like get the Kyles riled up. Um, I also joke that if you say Brandy Glanville's name three times, she appears. So I'm oh, sure no. she's going to be like, well, guess what? Calling into this pod any minute. Uh, guess who shares an agent with Brandy Glanville? Miss <gasps> Taylor over here, and we are Literally? ready any day she wants to come on the pod. We will any day. Ironically, both we share an agent, Brandy Glanville, and drumroll please, Denise Richards. Well, pretty good. <laughs> that is. Sure, something. Um, it is I, thrilling. I am from the same part of Connecticut that is home to both myself as well as Luann De Lesseps and Kim Zolciak Behrman. Wow. Yeah. What's happening there? Oh my God. Some people are just born in the light. in Central Connecticut, let me tell you. Can I ask? I think this is, there's like a lot of really good, new, interesting additions to casts this year in different cities. Mm-hmm. And I love in your book that you do break down who is the different like kind of tropes that characters play. Like we're talking about the villain and then there's kind of like the reasonable one and there's like the comic relief. But in general, like you still have to make your way. You have to become like a housewife who can hold your own. Of the new additions lately, like we have Ebony, we have Crystal and Kathy. Who do you think, who stands out to you as like, oh, this is going to be, I predict that this one is going to be an absolute housewives legend. And then are there any that you're like, mm, girl is going to get eaten alive? Um, I think that Crystal is going to be a really good addition to Beverly Hills because I, the women of Beverly Hills are the most image conscious and don't mm-hmm. really want to get like in the dirt as much. And I think Crystal seemed from, you know, the two episodes we've seen so far seems a little bit like a hard ass and that she's going to hold the women accountable. And I think that Beverly Hills needs that energy in general. So I think that Mm. she might be the best addition so far. I think that Ebony is a great addition to New York. Um, And I like what I see so far, but I feel like New York needed a bit more of a shakeup than it got. So I hope that Ebony doesn't get blamed too much for what is so far shaping up to be a little bit of a boring season. And you know how Americans are like, they always want to blame the black person. So (laughs) I hope she doesn't like shoulder that burden unnecessarily. There's also just so much you could do when they're all getting literally fall on the floor drunk at the same time. There's like, like how can anybody speak up (laughs) and how do you steal the camera from like the smashing of mirrors with stilettos? It's kind of hard. Oh my God. That was so amazing. But well, but now (laughs) New York was always the drunkiest of all the shows. And now Leah and Luann are sober and there's only five people in the cast. So like Sonya just Mm. stands out that much more when she's, you know, wasted, and there's two people sober at that dinner. Poor dear. Mm-hmm. I have two mysteries on Beverly Hills that I would love to hear your opinion on since you've gathered so much information. Um, I'm ready. The first one is, officially, what do you think Kim Richards was talking about with Lisa Rinna's husband? I think that she was making something up I think, okay. which I think she was just kind of being like, oh, we don't, we don't talk about your husband. And I think that she kind of was, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know that there's anything there necessarily. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because I've not seen any concrete, you know, suggestions. And then the second one is, do we think people were doing coke in Dorit's bathroom? <laughs> Have you seen her husband? <laughs> I mean, that man is a walking Kangol bucket hat, and you think people weren't doing cocaine in her bathroom. No, it's not that I don't think so. I'm just... I mean, he drinks Red Bull and vodkas at home. (laughs) It's so strange to me that they don't talk about drugs on the show. Like, if someone brings up drugs, it's like the biggest faux pas and I'm like especially like Vanderpump Rules I'm like you guys are railing cocaine and doing Molly on camera like absolutely 100% <laughs> same on New York like those ladies were doing more than drinking I think on a lot of occasions particularly Dorinda and yeah but then you bring it up and it's like totally verboten also I mean weed is legal in California now Kyle Richards like 
You can get off yeah, your high horse. I know. <laughs> Why do you think they're like so hesitant to really talk about that on camera? It seems like a pact between the cast, but it also seems like Bravo won't. I don't know. Like maybe it's an insurance thing or something. Like they won't. They'll talk about literally everything else, but they won't bring up drug usage. I think so it's old school. I think it's a little bit a pact with the cast. I do think that Bravo might be concerned about their like complicity if anybody were to have any accidents or anything bad happening. Right. But I also think that, I mean, we know our friends who are Housewives fans. And so I think we assume that most Housewives fans are like us, but really it's a cross section of America and it's people mm -hmm. in red states and it's people who lean right conservatively. And it, you know, it's a pretty wide fandom. Mm -hmm. And so I think that while we're like, girl, just say you smoke pot, just say you do Coke, like who cares um, <laughs> that there are a lot of people who might care. And so I think like for someone like Kyle, who, you know, maybe one day wants to sell her own dusters on QVC. Mm -hmm. Like she's worried about people on QVC being like, oh, I used to like that Kyle Richards. And, but now I know that she right. eats edibles on the weekend and I can't buy her duster. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, speaking of cocaine, are you, this is a little dated. Well, not really. Are you team Teresa or team Jackie in the hypothetical daughter doing coke in the bathroom debate? I loathe Teresa Giudice with wow. the burning passion of a million suns. Okay, tell me why we're going to fight about it. Um, so originally it was that I didn't enjoy that both she and Bravo were uh, basically profiting off of her crime. You know, and it's like mm. the reason that the show is popular, that people are tuning in. They had all these specials about she's going to jail and she's coming back and whatever. And it's like, guys, she literally committed a crime. <laughs> and um, so then I was mad about that. But then this season, um, my problem with Teresa is like, so when you have someone like Kenya Moore and she does the whole thing about Bolo I mean, it's like complicated. It's like, why is she bringing that up? Is she bringing that up because of Mark? Can she not feel this way because of her own daughter? Like she's so nuanced and psychologically uh, complex that there are a lot of different reasons why she might do be doing things. The reason why Teresa didn't understand the analogy that Jackie made is because she's <laughs> stupid. And that and is you not don't interesting. Like that. That's not interesting television. It's like the reason why anything happens with Teresa is because she's dumb. And that's and like, why I love her. But that's not like multi-layered or interesting. That's just like, oh, Teresa's dumb and she doesn't get it. Okay. And right. then they all have to like, because she is, they have made her so much the center of the show. They all then have to kowtow to that and bow down to her. And so Jackie, I understand why she's been frustrated on the show for three years. She's like, I have to make nice with this woman who is a literal idiot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. So that's my problem with Teresa now is that like, I don't think that she makes for very interesting television yeah, anymore. I think she's, I'm definitely on an island at this point. Just me defending her with like one stick against the rest of the Bravo fandom. But oh, there I... are plenty of people <laughs> like you who love her. And yeah, it's I mean, like, I hear the points, but also what I really love <laughs> about her is that, yes, she's a fucking idiot, but then she goes into a blind rage. And I really yes. enjoy watching a woman as someone who wishes she could go into a blind rage, but is mostly a pushover who like gets taken advantage of. It's very refreshing to watch somebody not even think twice about whether or not they're right, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No, I like, I get it. And like I said, there's, people that love every housewife and there are people that hate every housewife. Yes. And I am always happy to hear anybody's realization, rationalizations for why they love or hate somebody. Like I am on, like I completely understand where you're coming from and why you feel that way. I will just choose to disagree with you. I think like Bravo is also one of those things where I can really just have a disagreement with people and just, it's enjoyable. It's not yes. like a yeah. vile relationship ending conversation. It's like, Delightful. And what you just said about Teresa is totally right. And I see it from your point of view, you know, and it'd be nice if more things like in our lives were like that. In your in your research for the book or just like in this entire career, are, is there a major flip that you've done on a person in terms of like you used to love this person and then now you hate them or vice versa? I think that what's great about the Housewives, too, is that 
it keeps us kind of going back and forth. I mean, I used to hate Kyle Richards, and now I've come to a place where I kind of like her. Um, mm. I used to love Lisa Vanderpump, and then I kind of, like, soured on her a little bit. I'm back mm. and forth on Kenya because I love how she plays the show, but then this season she was just, like, too mean, and who cares about Bolo? And But then it's like next season something will happen and I'll be back. And, and so I feel like that's what's great about this is you can kind of love people and then hate people and it ebbs and flows and it's always kind of happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely agreed. Speaking completely. of Lisa Vanderpump, like thoughts on where I want someone to do a full expose on where her money comes from. Yes, please. It's... I would also like that. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense, especially like having seen how flimsy the restaurant business is during COVID where people don't have like stacks of cash saved up to like sustain themselves. She says she's owned like 30 something or 50 something restaurants and I've seen no evidence of them anywhere from anyone. And this is an international fan base. And she um, fired all that staff at the beginning of COVID that worked at all those restaurants. It's like, you're this rich lady with this huge house that we've all seen and all these purses and clothes and whatever. And you can't like, set up a fund for your staff like tom and tom were doing uh cameos for charity for tom tom workers like what was lisa doing yeah absolutely also i'm very big on the idea that she's into insurance fraud there's just been too many fires and like ferraris crashing into her restaurant <laughs> oh i walked by pump the other day and there is now like a fence along the sidewalk <laughs> <laughs> to keep like cars from busting into it but the whole time we were watching salt lake city my husband and i were like where does jen shaw's money come from where does jen shaw's money right. come from and mm -hmm. the same thing with teresa where does teresa's money come from where does teresa's money come from pk where does it come from i mean if we're asking then it's probably dubious i want to say yeah. like anyone who shows up on the housewives and they say that their job is quote unquote entrepreneur they are a hundred percent stealing money from someone yeah <laughs> we're like the only acceptable job is mauricio's real estate agency we fully understand that everything um, else is suspicious my favorite is stephanie holman's husband who's like the lock the locker king Like, that's what he does. He He's like the world's top manufacturer of lockers. And I'm like, oh that I get. God. Okay, you sell lockers. Like, that makes sense. You throw some shade at Telly, Teddy Mellencamp's accountability business. Do you think that that started as like a fake business to pretend she had a job to try and make her as the most boring person on the face of the earth interesting? Or do you think that she uh, was always just like a psychopath who wanted to ruin people's lives by yelling at them about granola and stuff? I heard from more than one person that she, that Bravo told her she needed to get a job and, <laughs> yes! that she, oh! and that she kind of made up this job and then secreted it into something that is actually real. Wow. I think that makes, I like had no idea, but like looking at it all, that makes so much dark, evil sense. And since we're talking shit about Teddy Mellencamp, um, I also heard that when in her like audition tapes, she was like, my father, my father, my father, blah, 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 blah. Like all talking up her relationship, how close they are, whatever. And then as soon as she was cast, she's like, he'll never appear on the show. Nice. Really <gasps> good. You're like, oh, he's better than David Foster. Okay, Teddy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm not sure what the etiquette is here. I don't want to give too much of your book away because it's so delightful Go for to it. read Go for it. yourself. But one of the things that I really found interesting and I'm kind of wondering if it's like this for every city is that Cindy Barshop had to go through a test with Ramona and Ramona just like won't talk to you if she doesn't like you <laughs> I don't know how much they do that anymore I think when Cindy Barshop did it um it was they it was the earlier years and they were quote unquote replacing Bethany and I think they wanted to see how she would do with the other women mm -hmm. and I think they sometimes do like kind of chemistry tests as it were like you do uh, in like acting they do that on the shows but I feel like it happens less and less frequently now than it did in the earlier years interesting mm. yeah it's such a shitty power move that I don't know how you would get around if Ramona just I mean we've seen it on camera she just refuses to acknowledge people well, I also heard from somebody who worked on the early seasons of Real Housewives of New York, I don't think this is in the book, but that when 
Bethany and uh, Kelly Ben Simone have that I'm up here, you're down here fight. Um, that was really because Bethany was trying to freeze out Kelly Ben Simone and didn't want to film with her and was trying to tell everybody else to film with her. Mm. And so Kelly showed up being like mad at Bethany, you know, but but Bethany kind of pl played it off and it ended up getting edited like, oh, Kelly's such a bitch. She's trying to tell Bethany she's better than her. But it was really Bethany kind of putting up these blockades. And I think women try to do that a lot of the times. And for some people, they can't quite get around it. Like Cindy said, she couldn't. Like they decided she they didn't want to let her in. And so she was kind of SOL. God, I just wonder, like, who do they let in then? Like, what equation do you have to solve to be accepted? Maybe it's just their, you know, their actual real-life old friendships or something like that. Yeah, and I feel like when they do bring people in as, like, a friend of, like, in this instance, I'm not saying this is true, but, like, uh, they cast Erica as a friend of Yolanda's, and so then, she, you know, Lo, 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 Yolanda is a bit... <laughs> protective of her, you know, and then they have that kind of bond. But we've also seen that uh, Candace showed up as Ashley's friend and they, they've been enemies ever since. And right. Fallon showed up as Portia's friend and uh, <laughs> she done stole her man. So <laughs> I mean, Careful who, who your say? friends are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who could say? Uh, same thing with Adrian and Brandy. I mean, Adrian, Brandy was introduced yeah. as Adrian's friend and then the whole surrogate situation happened. Yeah. And I think a lot of those friendships are like Teddy Mellencamp's job a little bit or the host of the trip, mm. you know, it's kind of nominal. And then, um, Carrie Duber was telling me that, um, Cameron Westcott was a friend of hers that she brought into Dallas. But then when they introduced her onto the show, they quote unquote assigned her to somebody else. So, mm. I mean, Weird. I think it, yeah, some of it can be a little bit arbitrary or for production's sake or what have you. Um, thoughts on the big boss, Andy Cohen? Like, do we... So I, um... I'm a big fan of Andy Cohen. Mm -hmm. I think he's great at hosting the reunions. I think he's great at hosting Watch What Happens Live. Um, but I think I take some swings at Andy Cohen in the book um, because I think fans often see him as this like all-knowing Svengali who is like making all these moves and doing all these things. And I don't think that is necessarily the case. And I, I think he was very formative at it in the, the beginning of the franchise when he was still working at Bravo. But since he moved on to working for Watch What Happens Live, I think in like 2011, 2012, like full time and gave up his role at Bravo. I mean, he's really just doing some fine tuning on these things. He's mm -hmm. involved in the discussions, but there are a lot of other people in those discussions, a lot of people who can overrule Andy. And so, you know, people are always like, oh, Teresa's job is safe because Andy likes her. And it's like, there are people that can overrule Andy in a heartbeat, like the head of Bravo and the head of the production companies, like all these people. And so he is definitely one of the voices in the room, but there are many other voices in the room. And, and I think a lot of times people say like, oh, Andy is doing this, or Andy told them to make up, or Andy fired Carol because she was mean to him at the reunion. And that's, you know, he that might be one of the factors, but Andy is not controlling this thing like a puppet master. I would imagine it's probably better for him to not be a puppet master as well, since he has to be face to face with them so often. Absolutely. And I do think that there are some of the women, particularly some of the older women that go to Andy first and that he's dealing with a lot of that. And, you know, he does, he, you know, I call him the mascot in chief because I, he has become <laughs> like the sort of mascot of this thing. And we did, there are all these little chapters, like in between all the chapters. And one of them we did was a um, bestseller list. So I use this thing called book scan and um which tells you how many copies of books people have sold and looked at everybody's books and the number one bestseller of all of them is andy cohen and i um, i think that that like said you know he's more famous than any of the individual housewives because he's the mascot for this thing and and with that comes some good stuff and with that comes some bad stuff so you know when the franchise is taking heat for things andy is taking heat for things but when you know he's getting all the praise for 
being so great and everybody loving Housewives, you know. So I think it's a. It's... You're not going to see him arguing that theory either. Like <laughs> you're never going to see him being like, no, no. The what very I... few times have been in reunions when people are like this is Andy's fault and he's like you know that it's not you know that this is not my fault you know I didn't right. edit well, this Luke from Summer House like I yeah. didn't do it and to his credit he will say he has said like you know I didn't think we should have called it Real Housewives of Orange County like I thought the name was too clunky he didn't think that they should expand to Beverly Hills because it was too close to Orange County he didn't want to do Dallas and Potomac he didn't want to hire Tinsley he, you know there are all these moves that he will say like I didn't want to do this and I was overruled and they were for the better so I think that just goes to show fans that like not everything Andy says or does is gospel and and so I, I you know and I think a lot of times he does go out of his way like when he did like the below deck reunion it was like you know I'm not an executive producer on this I don't know as much about it so maybe I didn't know some things like he is he is pretty transparent about it, but I also think that both he and Bravo have benefited from maybe obfuscating exactly what his role is a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do think that he is especially talented at holding people accountable while yes. not making them, you know, too angry or too defensive, and and being in touch with what the audience wants to hear. I, I really, yes. genuinely believe he should host a presidential debate someday. Oh, totally. And like, I don't know why he's not hosting the Friends reunion because he does come from this thing. Is like he loves it as much as we do, and I and mm -hmm. I think that that's great. And I mean, when you watch those early reunions, girl, he was not good, and he <laughs> really has gotten much better. And you know, I will give him full credit for all of that. But I just want fans to know like how this really happens. And I think a lot of times fans have conspiracy theories and they're seeing all these invisible strings everywhere, like pulling the women. And what I learned, if anything, from doing all this research is that's not really the case. Like if anything, the calls are coming from inside the house and the women are the ones <laughs> themselves who are sort of trying to control things or manipulate things or whatever. Wow. That's fascinating. I want to, I mean, Lord knows that we can talk endlessly. I'm here. I do have some just rapid, quick fire, just like silly favorites questions for you if you're ready. Bring it on. Favorite housewife product. Ooh, let me think. <laughs> Um, so I went on the inaugural Real Housewives of New York bus tour, um, and they gave us a bunch of Skinny Girl swag, and there were some Skinny Girl chocolates in there, and those were really good. Mm. Ooh, Skinny Girl chocolates. I, I don't drink alcohol, but I hear that Loverboy, while not technically Housewives, um is actually very good okay we just tried it we tried their canned espresso martini i actually have a box mm -hmm. of it on my desk right now and we may have drank it the wrong way but it was not very good let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know who said that but we maybe don't well, we, do think like... we should try the traditional spritzers which i yeah. just recently tried to buy and they're literally not only 60 dollars for a six pack also sold out which is like crazy wow i mean good for them they also make a cute hoodie so mm. oh they do that's true they have a lot of good merch you know they've yeah. got a lot of good merch okay uh do you have a least favorite housewife product um i have smelled la dame by karen huger no it is not good oh god yes. i went to a bitch sesh live and they sprayed us with it and i was like i have to leave that's where i smelled it yes! i was like the like uh judge of the costume contest or whatever oh right i was there i dressed as Kristen, returning her mail to tom <laughs> that's amazing thank you speaking of do you have a favorite housewife outfit or costume um i am a big fan of the erica jane latex costume yes, yes. there's also yes. one that i will never get out of my head and it was an early season alex mccord interview look and it was it looked like flesh and shackles like around her neck do you know what i'm talking about it was like a giant chain we're gonna have to look this up and put it on our instagram that sounds crazy um do you have a favorite housewife husband um are we talking hottest or favorite 
Uh, both. One, well, you could do two. Pick hottest and also favorite all around. I think that Juan Dixon is the hottest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fact, I would have to fact. say, um, yeah. And then my favorite Real Housewife husband, I mean, even though he's a cheater, um, I ship no one in this world like I ship Ramona and Mario Singer. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like, I think they're made for each other. They're soulmates. They need to get back together. I think it's best for everybody. They were totally fucking when they were living together during this pandemic because you know Ramona likes to fuck. But she's one of those girls who likes to fuck but doesn't like to add to her numbers. So, like, (laughs) she's, like, totally going back to that well. And it's a very nice well. So they also um, were a hot like eighties couple. If you've seen that picture of her oh. in her neon bikini and his like chest hair and they're all tan, I'm like, yeah, you guys fuck so much. Oh my yeah. god, gorgeous. But I think like probably the one I want to hang out with is probably Maurizio. I yeah. mean yeah. if we're but, being yeah. honest. Like hundred yeah. percent. Would definitely want to get high with Maurizio, no doubt. Oh, 100%. This, this last episode when he came in and gave the ladies drinks and was like, I think I'm gonna barbecue something. Do you want something? And I was like, Yeah, I want your barbecue, Maurizio, one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> yes. I want some Woo. Jewish Mexican sausage, Mauricio. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite housewife kid? Fa- well, the reason I started watching The Housewives is because of the gorgeousness that is known as Shane Keogh. And um, he did talk to me for my book. And so mm, I will oh always God. have a special place in my heart for Shane Keogh. Um, but I also love um, Gia Giudice because despite it all, she's come out seemingly reasonable. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Which yeah. I find shocking. Yeah, we stand we stand all those girls. I also have started to really enjoy and I used to this is really savage because he's like four. I used to hate him. Um, Jagger, Dorit's son. Um, and now that he's just like throwing crazy shade and like these insane tantrums and like telling Dorit that she looks like she's wearing a shitty robe after she does glam for two hours and puts on a gown. I'm like here for Jagger. I think he's so funny. A hundred percent. But uh, can, do you want to ask me who my least favorite Real Housewives kid is? Oh, please. It is Brooks Marks because we finally get a gay son and it's Mm. Brooks Marks who apparently had his sense of humor excised because (laughs) like he can't laugh at himself. He can't laugh at what he's doing. He's like mad about Jen Shaw's vagina. It's like, get over it, Brooks. Like you should know how to play the game. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, couldn't agree more. I also uh, continue to say that he's not really a child. He's like twenty-two. <laughs> like, fair. Yes, yeah. an adult. Yeah, yeah, that's an adult. And they're like, you brought up my child during the show. It's like, no, he's literally fully an adult, and he came onto the show and he got a talking head on this huge fucking show. We are allowed to rip him apart. Also. They're cute tracksuits, but they do all look exactly the same. Yeah, you designed one garment. You designed a tracksuit. Like, that's a tracksuit. Good for you, but don't do a runway show with seven people wearing it. Don't. We have notes. I'm over it. Couldn't agree more. Uh, And then lastly, a... Okay, I actually want to make this a two-parter because it's, it's too big of a question, but... A favorite housewife's catchphrase or line, just like in general, like one of your favorites. And then what's one that you find yourself using on the day to day? Like what's what your most frequented housewife catchphrase? Okay. So like my husband and I have a few, like, I call them personal memes. And it's like the things like <laughs> mention it all that like everybody mm-hmm. knows, but like that just he and I know. And like the housewives fandom at large do not know. And one of them that we use on the regular is from the, not the season that just passed of Atlanta, the season before that, when they were going to Greece and they're on their way to Greece and they're at the airport and uh, Kenya hasn't shown up yet. And the news that she and Mark are getting divorced is broken. And Candy says to Marlo, like, she's really raw about this. Maybe you don't want to bring up her divorce from Mark. And Marlo goes, I don't know that I'm going to be able to help that. And so that's like a line we use all the time. It's like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to help that. Like, 
please don't ask me to do that. So I think that's a good one. And I mean, I think mention it all is one of the all time greats. Oh, um, another one that I use all the time that I think is one of my favorites is the like button to the who gonna check me boo fight when Sheree goes, whatever happened to customer service? <laughs> and, um, I love that. And then there's another one that I use all the time that I think is great is, and I always quote her when I say it, is when Heather Dubrow said, um, when everyone says you're dead, it's time to lay down. Like, I think that is, <laughs> that's a great one that I use often. So, Absolutely. oh my God, there's so many. How there can you are. even like- pick? I know, that's why I regret it. I wrote it down and then I was like, how dare you ask him for his one favorite catchphrase? <laughs> it's like, how insulting. I Hearing you talk about Atlanta going to Greece reminds me of, um, Potomac going to Portugal and Karen Huger on that like tiny little car going down the street and she takes a selfie and she goes, we love Portland. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any like weird things that you quote all the time that everybody else is like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Mike and I do, um, Sonia, like in one of the early seasons, she goes, you're a smart girl. You got a hot body. (laughs) 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 I think she says like, uh, it's not like we're thinking about women when we have sex, but we're all thinking about women when we have sex, right? And I'm like, Sonia, just coming in hot. Like the first season she's on the show. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. I love her I so really much. I really like uh, Teresa when she'll be like, you know, it's funny, like ha ha funny. It's like ha ha. And she like <laughs> explains funny by saying ha ha a lot. I do. I do say that quite often because I think it's pretty good. Uh, can you tell everybody where they can get your amazing book, The Real Housewives, a real story about The Real Housewives, and where they can find you online, Brian? Um, yeah, you can find the book at thehousewivesbook.com, and that has links where you can buy it everywhere, um, including independent bookstores. If you want a signed copy, um, you can go to Skylight Books. Uh, website there here in LA and uh, I've signed a bunch of copies for them and so they oh, the can mail those Yes. Oh Yes. Oh cute! Yeah so you can support a uh, independent bookstore and you can get a signed copy of the book and then um, I do a twice a month newsletter called the Real House the Housewives Institute Bulletin um, and that's like news and recap highlights and original stories and gifts and stupid shit. You can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives. And I am on all social media at Brian J. Moylan, except for Grinder, which is um, Mustache Rides <laughs> is my profile name. So just Amazing. search Mustache Rides and feel free to send uh, any dick pics that you want. I will accept them all. <laughs> Well, we're going to definitely, it's, it's so rich with so many fascinating things and answers all of the questions that I had about the Real Housewives and then so many more that I didn't even know I had. Like you've done oh, so much you. work to put this together and it's also so funny and like feels like you're still talking to a friend while being so like, it's such an education. It's like, oh, what a gift. It's so fucking good. I'm going to get one from Skylight because I love that fucking store and I want a signed copy. So even though um, I have an electronic copy because I'm an insider, I'm going to get a hard copy. Okay. And um, you can currently even have it personalized if you really want me to draw a ah! dick pic in it for you. Wow. I mean... Oh, my God. You don't know how much I love dick pics. They're actually really <laughs> important in my life. Okay. So, you know, just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to help. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Brian. I am so excited for everybody to get their hands on this book this week. And we're we're just like so downright blessed to have had you. Um, thank you, thank so, you much. so much for having me. It was such a thrill and a delight to talk about all these things. 